You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. In 1962, Karl Barth, a noted theologian, visited Princeton Theological Seminary to deliver the Warfield Lectures, and after each of the lectures to the students there, there was opportunity for question and answer and interaction with him, and the lectures and the interaction are recorded, and after one of his talks, one of the students asked him, what one thing, sir, would you tell a young pastor today, if you were asked, is necessary in this day and age to pastor a church? And Bart's response was this, ah, so big a question. That is the whole question of theology, you see. I should say, I hope that during your studies you have visited yourself earnestly with the message of the Old Testament and the New Testament, and not only of this message, but also of the object and the subject of this message. And I would ask you, are you trained to visit not only yourself now, but a congregation with what you have learned out of the Bible and of church history and dogmatics and so on, having to say something, having to say that thing And then the other question, are you willing now to deal with humanity as it is? Humanity in this 20th century with all its passions, suffering, errors, and so on. Do you like them, these people? Not only the good Christians, but do you like people as they are? People and their weaknesses. Do you like them? Do you love them? And are you willing to tell them the message that God is not against them, but for them. That's the one real thing in pastoral service. And that is the question for you. If you go into ministry to do that work, pray earnestly. You'll do difficult work, but beautiful work. But if I had to begin again anew for myself as a young pastor, I would tell myself every morning, well, here I am, a very poor creature, but by God's grace, I have heard something I will need forgiveness of my sins every day, and I will pray, God, that you will give me the light, this light shining in the Bible, and this light shining into the world in which humanity is living today, and then do my duty. That has struck me for some time now, any number of the facets of it, but particularly his question um, to those gathered, do you like them? Do you love them? People in this moment around you as they actually are with all their passions, sufferings, errors, and so on. Do you like them? Um, Do you love them? It's a lot easier to like people in the past, um, and it's a lot easier to like people in the future. It's a lot easier to love people in the past and to love people in the future um, than those that we are living with in the particular moment But he asked that pressing question, do we like them, do we love them, not um, at their best, but as they actually are. We hear this morning in the gospel, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be, to John, to be baptized by him. And those words sound formal, factual, and of course, to some degree, um, they are, but at the risk of sounding cringy, um, and wait for it, Um, These are, in my estimation, um, the words of a love letter. 
Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John um, to be baptized by him. From Jesus um, to the world, from God um, to humanity, we see God extending his grace and his love um, to you and to me. In the church calendar, this begins the season of Epiphany. Uh, and in Epiphany, what, there's multiple images present. We, we hear of the light which shines in the darkness, of course, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Epiphano means to shine um, or to enlighten, but Epiphany is a season of revelation, uh, the revelation of Jesus as the Son of God. And in that revelation of Jesus as the Son of God, we have the revelation of the nature and the character of God. Jesus is revealed as the Son of God, and Jesus reveals the very nature and the very character of God, what that love and that grace look like. And as I, as I say love, I always feel a certain anxiety today because love can sound so platitudinal, can it? Uh, and it can sound um, so vapid, particularly in our culture, love ya. Um, you know, and you might say, maybe. Uh, maybe, that, maybe, that word is, uh, maybe that word is true. And when we say love again, it, it can sound like, you know, what, but what is, this is terrible. I, this has been an earworm um, for me, and I don't want to visit this uh, upon you. And, and many of you probably don't know this song. Um, it's uh, back in the day, 1993, kind of Euro dance mix. Um, for some of you, I see some of you unfortunately nodding your heads. What is love? What is uh, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Um, don't hurt me no more. That's basically, that's the song. Um, what, is, what is love? That's that question which is given to us uh, by Hand Hand back in 1993, topping at number 12 in the U.S. charts, uh, number two in the British charts. Um, what is um, love is the question. Uh, and one of the things which Bart puts forward, uh, it's rather shocking, isn't it? Is it possible that God could not only love us, is it possible that he could like us? Is it possible um, that God might actually be for us? And we would like um, to believe that, but of course, uh, not only when we say love can it seem like something which is vapid and platitudinal, but we know that love in its reality uh, is something which is dangerous. Uh, Love is dangerous. Love is risky. It's funny when we talk about love, what do you do uh, in love? You, You fall in love. Uh, is what you do, is the phrase, and I, and I think that's a good way to express it, because anytime um, we enter into a relationship of love, there is risk, uh, and there is vulnerability. There's, uh, there is a moment that enlivens, but there's also a moment of fear. Will it be, will it be returned? Uh, will the person love me in the same way? Will they respond in the same way? Is this love which I offer going to be rejected? Am I going to be hurt um, in this? Am I going to be lost in this. Uh, We hear this message uh, of love which comes forth, and wonderfully, amazingly, what we see in the person in the work of Jesus, what we see uh, illuminated in the Bible is that God puts flesh on that word. Uh, It is not vapid. Um, It is not platitudinal. Amazingly, miraculously, we see that as God comes into the world in Jesus, he makes himself vulnerable in that offer um, of his love. We hear that he comes forth into the world, as Isaiah would note, to be numbered uh, amongst the transgressors. We hear that Jesus um, came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized um, by John. And in so doing, Jesus didn't need a baptism for the forgiveness of sins, 
But we see what that love of God looks like. He was numbered amongst the transgressors, identifying with you and with me. I remember um, years ago, uh, there's a particular moment, and I can still visualize it in my mind. It was when my dad um, came to talk with me uh, about sex, um, and <laughs> I, I remember because I was there um, in my room, and, and it was night, and the lights were out, and I was in bed, um, and dad came, and he sat at the foot of my bed. Uh, and one of the things I remember, as, as far as um, those talks are concerned, and as far as content is concerned, it was probably one of the worst sex talks ever. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was awkward um, and it was uh, fumbling. Um, and so by way of, by way of content, um, it may not have gotten uh, a great grade. But I, but I can tell you, um, I can remember it to this day, not simply because of the, really not because of the awkwardness of it, um, although I remember that to some degree. But what I remember to this day and what moves me to this day was what was communicated to me on that evening was that my dad loves me. There was no doubt he was willing uh, to come down. Uh, he was willing um, to be vulnerable. He was willing um, to be awkward. He was willing to come and to sit and to have that um, conversation with me. And that remains with me. That resonates uh, that my dad loves me. And let's be honest, uh, my mom loves me because I doubt he did that on his own. Um, I mean, let's, let's be real, right? It also said my mom loves me because she said, Richard, um, you're going to go uh, and you're going to talk with our, you're going to go and you're going to talk with, with our son. But there was something about that moment, again, that, that, that coming um, down, uh, making himself less, becoming awkward, becoming vulnerable. It was able um, to move around all of the defenses and the shields and the walls which I build up and which we all build up to protect ourselves and to insulate ourselves. There was something gracious about it that was able to go around um, those uh, and to reach me um, and to impact me. And we see that in the way that God comes into the world in Jesus. He comes in such a way that he might slip around those defenses of ours, uh, the walls that we build up to protect ourselves, creating hearts of stone um, within ourselves. He manages um, through his graciousness and the way that he comes into the world to slip past um, those defenses that we might know of his love and grace, that we might know um, that God is for us. And the realization as well, what gives it tremendous substance is we know that this love and this grace and this mercy, the way in which we're pursued, is not in the least based upon our performance. And that's what makes it love. Because God gives that love and that grace to you and to me despite our track record. Despite the fact that biblically it's clear throughout that we chase after um, other lovers, we chase after other gods, we chase after um, promises which are false uh, in search of love, in search of security and relationship um, and meaning. And despite the performance of the human condition, we hear that Jesus comes to be numbered amongst the transgressors. Uh, he comes, and after this portion, we hear, of course, the Spirit. Uh, descend upon him the word, this is my son with whom I am pleased. And the spirit then drives Jesus out into the wilderness to overcome um, the powers of, of sin and the evil one, to overcome the things that we can't overcome um, on our own. There is a, a quote which I often return to uh, from C.S. Lewis uh, in Miracles. 
And it is a quote which expresses what I hope to express uh, in this moment, and it's speaking to the incarnation. And Lewis uh, writes this, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle prepares for this or exhibits this or results from this. In the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature he has created. But he goes down to come up again and bring the ruined world up with him. One has the picture of a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath some great complicated burden. He must stoop in order to lift it. He must almost disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole mass swaying on his shoulders. Or one may think of a diver first reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair, then gone with the splash, vanished, rushing down through green and warm water into black and cold water, down through increasing pressure, into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, and then up again, back to color and light, his lungs almost bursting till suddenly he breaks surface again, holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover. He and it are both colored now that they have come up into the light, down below where it lay colorless in the dark. He lost his color too, In this descent and reascent, everyone will recognize a familiar pattern, a thing written all over the world. It is the pattern of all vegetable life. It must belittle itself into something hard, small, and death-like. It must fall into the ground, thence the new life reascends. We hear God puts flesh on that word of love. God puts flesh on that word. Uh, on that word of grace. God descends in order to seek that which is precious to God, you and me. Precious because of the nature and character of our God and not our accomplishments. That's why it is such a a dramatic message. Uh, A God who willingly, vulnerably comes and extends himself to us that the light might shine um, in the darkness, that we might regain um, color. He loses his color through the cross and the resurrection. He descends um, into the tomb to come up again, um, that the final word uh, might be the forgiveness of sins. The final word might be life now. The final word might be new and risen life eternal um, in the life to come. He comes to speak a gracious word, um, a greater word, a word of love and of grace um, and of restoration. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks and remember the way in which you come to the world, graciously, humbly, vulnerably, um, that you might win us, that you might restore us, uh, that you might come down in order um, to lift us up. Lord, in all of our vain attempts to lift ourselves up, draw our hearts and our minds, uh, our wills and our lives to Jesus, your Son, uh, that we might know in him the life and the light and the salvation for which we long. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.